like to follow on this evening, take our lesson from Psalm 15. It's a rather short psalm, and hopefully we'll have some thoughts on this that uh, is beneficial for us in our day-to-day lives as Christians. Um, you may notice a, a heading in your Bible. In mine, it said, The Character of Those Who May Dwell with the Lord. You may have something similar. Your Bible's there. Of course, the heading is not part of the original text. It's added to help separate the Psalms. Um, give a brief overview of what the Psalm may be about. Um, it does, however, favor very much the 24th Psalm, if you recall. <clears throat> uh, the earth's the Lord's in all its fullness. And it's thought that this psalm references the removal of, removal of the ark to the holy hill of Zion. But the description here, um, in my Bible, the character of those who may dwell with the Lord, uh, seems a just description. Accurately, accurately I believe, um, says what this is about. The character of those who may dwell with the Lord. We get a glimpse here into what it takes to be um, worthy. Not that we can ever be truly worthy of being in the presence of the Lord. Um, but in the first verse we see the question that is posed and the answer throughout the next four verses. In the first verse it says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle and who may dwell in your holy hill? The question asked is to the Lord, to, to him who, Lord, Jehovah, most high and holy God, who can be allowed to approach your, tab- your tabernacle, your dwelling place where the creator of space and time sits, where the embodiment of love, mercy, and righteousness dwells, who may come to the holy hill? The mountain upon which your throne is sat, where sin and evil have no residence, and even the angels which transgress you are no longer welcome. Who may come to you in your place of being, and they themselves abide? The question is posed. It's a very weighty question, and one that uh, we should all ask ourselves. Above all things, we should have a desire to be in the presence of God, and to live with Him, and to praise Him, and to obey Him. What kind of people will be getting this privilege, if any at all, of approaching, of approaching God's throne, do we realize that we truly aren't worthy, for that matter, and that even asking that question should really feel out of place, um, considering whose presence we are desiring to, desiring to be in? We are told that we may be granted access to Him, so we must ask, as the psalmist David did here, who may dwell in your holy hill? And we have a question, and now the next few verses give us this answer. And it isn't some list of great feats to climb to climb Mount Everest or to, you know, defeat some great beast, or you have to memorize some vast quantity of scripture, or you know, give some great offering or some large monetary sum. But it's a list of characteristics that we're told are required. It is a man's character that would designate him worthy or unworthy to dwell with the Most High God. If you were to see this person, observe him, this, these are things that should be evident about them and evident about us as Christians. We're told firstly that this, this man or woman, who, 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 that he would walk uprightly. Someone who walks as if on the spiritual high beam, as it were, walking straight, not leaning from side to side, or unsure of themselves, or faltering. Someone who is upright. And this uprightly is the same Hebrew word used in Genesis 17. Um, we recall seeing God speaking to Abram moments before being given the name of Abraham. And he tells him what he must do to be multiplied as God promised to do. And so God says to a 99-year-old man who would immediately then fall on his face, God says that to be blameless. 
He must be blameless. The same word used here. Be blameless or be upright. Being unimpaired by the distractions of this life. Not just some of the time, but this indicates a person with integrity who is walking soundly in the light of Christ. We're also told in Titus chapter 1 and verse 6 that this is also a qualification of an elder. You may recall from some of the studies that we've had on the eldership. Not that we are perfect by any means, but that we worship and we live with a sincerity and a desire so that we are as close to perfection this side of judgment as we can be. And that when the Lord looks into our innermost soul, that he sees true sincerity of purpose, and that is to serve the one true God. This person, we're told, also works righteousness and speaks truth in their heart. This person's faith will show will be shown by their good works, not only in the things that we may do, but in the things that we may not do when circumstances arise, where perhaps um, we would have occasion to be dishonest. No one would be the wiser, uh, or we could be unjust towards others and get away with it, such as dealing with those perhaps that are under us in authority at the workplace or something similar. James chapter 2 and verse 26 tells us, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We must walk in all the commandments of the Lord. We must take the things that we say seriously and speak the truth in our hearts and not fill ourselves up with sinful and foolish thoughts. Not to take out the promises and prayers prayed to God, <clears throat> to the promises that we make with God, with ourselves or to others. If we're not being honest, we're not doing our best to bear fruit to the Lord, then we need to look at ourselves and assess just how much interest we have in the things of a spiritual nature. Are we laboring for the Lord? Are we putting our talents <clears throat> to good use? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Are we performing works of righteousness and our hearts focused on spiritual and good things. If we find ourselves wanting in this aspect of our lives, we may realize that we have an appointment with the, if you will, the lumberjack and the brush fire if we do not straighten ourselves up and produce fruit. This person also will not backbite with his tongue, we're told, nor do evil to his neighbor or take up reproach against his friend. To have the characteristics of someone who would be allowed to be in the presence of God, one must take very seriously how he interacts with those who are around him. To develop this characteristic, we must not speak evil or defame any man. Speaking of other shortcomings and gossip will never be something that we would be caught up in. We should do our best not to offend or grieve our fellow man. We should, not, we should say nothing to cause harm to anyone else if we can help it, whether that be someone that we work with, with our family or our friends. We will not take up a reproach against our neighbor, our neighbor. We will not disgrace or scorn them. If we were to hear some gossip against someone, our first response should be to disapprove of that gossip. If possible, and do what we can to make gossip <coughs> of another stop. We cannot be part of such behavior, and we should strongly disapprove and dissuade others who are caught up in this. The golden rule, as we call it, would be a part of our daily walk. Romans 13 and 9, the summation of the law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are not obviously willingly blind to things around us 
This is not to suggest that we are not to try and assist others if we see them perhaps interacting with someone who they may <clears throat> not know has may not know some pertinent history of theirs. What this does mean is if it isn't in, needed to be told, then we probably shouldn't tell it. Did you hear that so-and-so's daughter was put over for drunk driving? That information is most likely not needed by most people. There's no reason to share that except having something to say of interest or try to spread drama, wanting to have something to say that's interesting. However, someone else's kid was going to be riding along with that, that person somewhere. Then you may think, well, I need to inform that person or perhaps their parents of the potential dangers here. I believe it's easily understood. If someone doesn't need to know someone else's drama and that isn't, isn't affecting you, namely things are a negative connotation, and we should avoid it. The opposite, of course, is true as well. Paul uh, mentions in 2 Thessalonians that he boasts of the good things that they did there and also for the persecutions that they had to endure. He boasted to others about them. A simple question I'll leave to help, will this thing I'm about to say build someone up or tear them down? If it's the latter, the chances are it's unnecessary to speak on it. A man worthy of being in the Lord's presence despises a vile person, we're also told, and honors those who fear the Lord. Our love and zeal for the Lord should be such that we are excited when we are around other Christians and we hear of good works being done. And on the same hand, we should be so fervent in our love for the Lord that we see those who oppose, who oppose the Lord as vile. They are as chaff. The wicked, as people, they still have souls, obviously, and should be led to Jesus by any means necessary. But the sin that they may commit and those who have turned their lives to sin and denounced God, those things are vile. The, the salt has lost its savor. And they are in that way, particularly, worthless and good for nothing. And again, this isn't to dishonor them, or taking respect away from them as fellow human beings or acknowledging any authority they may have, have over us in our day-to-day -day lives. <clears throat> Remember, we are still living by Romans chapter 13 and verse 7. Render therefore all to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We're to, as we mentioned, treat our neighbors as our self. We are to despise things that are evil. We do not respect the decision <clears throat> they have made to turn their backs on God. We will despise any gain they may have in this way as pointless and will pity them rather than envy them the things that they have gained this way. Also a man who wishes to dwell in the hill of the Lord, um, we're told, would swear to his own hurt and does not change. Remember that Moses, by faith we're told, chose to forego the riches and prestige uh, to even be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Sometimes we may be made to choose whether or not to suffer or for, uh, for us, normally our lives, to have a minor inconvenience in order to choose the right path. There are times, well, I like to admit, when we need to make, or I need to make better decisions on things, which things are best, what things I find myself spending my time or spending my money on, what things are I'm allowing to influence my children, and what type of character that I'm showing to have, and if that matches up with what I'm being told here. When a man of God considers his life and considers his works, we're told we're not to swear oaths, as it were, but we let our yes, be, yes or our no be no. A man of God, even if he puts his word to a thing and it shows that it's not going to be as profitable for him as he thought, 
or as good for him, or perhaps it may end up having a negative effect. Um, he sticks to his word. If in the wrong, he will admit it and take it head on. If he, if he gives his word and turns out that it's more than he bargained for, then he will still hold to his word because that's what he said that he was going to do. Revelation 21 and 8 states, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that's what the Bible says about liars. If you give your word to a thing and then realize later that you really don't want to do that thing, you have a decision. You can become a liar or you can honor your word and doing so, much more so in times when it causes you some level of discomfort, you are showing great trustworthiness and showing strength of character. Even if you can get out of it without anybody knowing, we know that truly isn't the case. God sees everything and knows even the deepest corners of our hearts. He knows our true motives, our true intents, whether we lie to others or ourselves. You can lie to man, but you cannot lie to God. Well, I guess you can try, but it's futile because he knew the truth before we ever tried to convince him otherwise. But if we take an oath, we are to remain steadfast in it. How uncomfortable is it if we ever catch ourselves or another the body of Christ in a falsehood or not keeping their word, or if we're called not keeping our word? makes us feel disappointed in others and in ourselves. How do you think that looks to those around us, those in the world? How can we hope to speak the truth and love to others and then believe, and then believe us if we act the same way as others and we lie and we break our word? If we tell someone we're going to do something, the man of God does it. He who would approach the tabernacle of the Lord does not put his money to usury or take a bribe against the innocent. To put our money to usury is to take advantage of those who, that we may be able to help or those who may like to borrow from us. We are to help as we are able those who are in need. We're told various passages in various ways we're to assist orphans, widows, needy, the needy saints, and those who are misfortunate. But to demand a high price and return from them is an abomination. To put on their backs a much higher toll is a disgrace, and that type of self-serving mind has no place in the presence of the Lord. Colossians 3 and 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. The Father sent His only Son to die, yet still offers an easy payment plan, as it were, to not only repay this great thing, but also give us so much more. Christ gave his life and suffered merciless beatings and cruel insults as the Son of God, and yet just says to come, follow me, for my yoke is, e my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if we follow the light, then that is all that is asked of us. And even though we can never repay the debt of sin uh, in full, we are still offered even more. In this same vein, we are not to take a bribe against the innocent. If at any point we have cause to decide or enact some judgment, good or bad, towards someone, we may have approached with some sort of we may be approached with some sort of bribe or to change our decision, or have the opportunity to offer a bribe to change a decision. Whether this is in legal matters, as in a court of law, or just in a workplace with favors, once again, it's not tolerable for the giver or for the receiver. This will be dealing dishonestly with others for self-gain. And that characteristic is the exact opposite of what Christ preached. We are to serve others and treat them as we would have them treat us. 
Then we're told, whoever does these things shall never be moved. If we keep these commandments of God, if we desire to dwell with Him in His holy hill and keep His word, then we are true members of the Lord's church. And that church is built upon a rock, and we are told that not even the gates of hell can prevail against it. We may be tempted, we may be tried, but the grace of God will always be enough. And the more we practice and <clears throat> live by these principles, the easier our walk on this world will be. And one day, hopefully, we'll be able to abide in the tabernacle of the Lord. <clears throat> That's the conclusion of my thoughts this afternoon. Hopefully, something was said was beneficial to us in our daily lives. We like to take this opportunity to offer the gospel invitation. If you um, have, been baptized, have not been baptized for the remission of sins, we'd be happy to assist you in that. Or if you are a member and you would like the prayers of the church or have some wrong you feel you need to make right before the congregation, we'd be happy to assist you in that as well. If you'll come while we stand and while we sing.